yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who's about, who's about. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Charles, let's give Mike a round of applause, man. Welcome back, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be back. Oh, it's good to have you. Good to have you. We got a little nervous there, man. We thought you blew the coop. You like, nah, we good. Deuces to the guy. <laughs> Yeah, life on the road, man. Life on the road, but at the same time, life on the road can be bad. Yeah, yeah. People think it's overrated more than it, many people think, but it's a way of life. We'll make it work. But we're in episode 240 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions, what? Large and small from the NAI. To the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics, and facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. Whether you're in OVC, Big Style, Colonial Athletic Association, FCSYs, and all those other independent programs at the Division II, NAIA, we show love as well. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, none other than Ralph Cooper, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Well, Mike, I gave you a little great introduction. Let's go back to Professor Bishop. Professor, I see you smiling on with him. Who, who, who messing with you today? Well, I'm, I'm laughing because I, all, all those phone lines jammed up. Are people trying to get hotel rooms in Jackson around October twenty second? So uh, I'm that getting must a lot. Be homecoming. That must that, be homecoming. That little homecoming, little homecoming action, little homecoming action. Yeah. Did you cheat? Did you cheat at all and have you know get the information a little early? I, I might have cheated just a little bit, so I may my room is secured. I <laughs> <laughs> said just a little bit. I looked over. I didn't stare. I just looked over at the paper. Yeah, hey. I'm like, oh, okay. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Oh, oh, man. Hey, don't say that right now because they still trying to get baseball in the way at the professional level. So that's not working. That's a whole nother discussion because while we talk about baseball, we had college baseball. And guess what? We had the Andre Dawson Classic. This is the question I wanted to jump off uh, as we move any forward. I want to get your thoughts. Saturday was a unique day for me. I literally sat on my couch and saw ESPN, TNT, TNT, I should say, NBA TV Network had uh, the HBCU NBA game for All-Star Weekend. It featured Howard and Morgan State. Howard had a home game. They moved it based on this partnership. Money was involved. AT&T supported it. Obviously, NBA, NBA Foundation, so a lot of financial support. Uh, upwards to $1.3 million in total money associated with uh, all those who were associated with that. Then you had Andre Dawson Classic Major League TV. That's Major League Baseball TV. Network, if you would. And you had on Saturday two games broadcast, starting with Jackson State and Southern. Fascinating game that went down to it. And then at the night, Capper, you had Alabama State and FAMU. Welcome them into the SWAC. In terms of representative playing each other, so that was fascinating. Obviously, at Prairie View, Fine Bluff, um, in the mix playing in that game, along with Grambling, uh, to name some of the schools that were participating throughout the SWAC. So it's fascinating to see and um, watching that go down. 
obviously New Orleans, University of New Orleans, was the non-HBCU associated with that game. That was fascinating. And then you tap it off with HBCU Legacy Bowl on NFL Network. So, again, yeah, the NBA Network, MLB Network, NFL Network showcasing these games. Let me go back to you, Charles. What are your thoughts on this? What does this mean in terms of the greater landscape visibility for HBCU programs, particularly in this case, you're talking about the FCS Division I level. We're able to showcase um, multiple sports, mm -hmm. baseball, football, uh, and basketball uh, in various ways. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the dawning of a new day, and, and people see the value uh, in HBCU sports. I, I, I'm tremendously uh, uh, excited about it. Uh, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan, so to have uh, HBCU baseball on, on MLB Network, uh, you had the Legacy Bowl going, you had basketball going, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I found myself, you know, out and about flipping through my phone, trying to make sure I got to everything. But just to just to have all of those mediums uh, uh, of each sport uh, televised, it is literally the dawning of a new day. I keep saying we're on the cusp of this just amazing renaissance, but uh, we're seeing that television sees value in HBC sports. It's really exciting. Great point. I'm going to come to you, Mike, with the same question. One thing I want to add is at the end of the night, stay up a little bit. And basically, uh, like a lot of middle-aged men my age, and I'll use that kindly, uh, tend to use the nightcapper and you have ESPN on. And so it got late, and so we're in the L.A. edition. And so they did a uh, update about these games, and they had a section that featured HBCU. So they had the HBCU Legacy Bowl on the NFL Network. Then it had um, the HBCU NBA All-Star Game uh, featuring two HBCU programs, Morgan State and Howard. That was on there. But I was surprised a little bit as it started to tune off and go into the other games. It didn't have the Major League Baseball Network games on there. So just in overall, whether that was the case or not, what are your thoughts in terms of what this means for HBCU programs, particularly those at the Division One level in the, the MEAC and the SWAT? Yeah, I think I, I'd reiterate CB's comments. I think it's an opportunity uh, for further growth. I think, uh, are we on the cusps of a new age? Absolutely. you got so many programs that are now streaming and have their own channels. You know, 10 years ago, did you have the MLB channel? Did you have this channel for this, uh, for this sporting organization? So I think it is big. I think league, I think the HBCU can further grow. I wish I, I would seen more advertisement, more marketing of the events. But I mean, the Andre that Dawson classic alone, which, which was it started out as like the urban invitational. And I think it started in 2008. And so you can tell it's shown some growth over the years. Uh, I would have, you know, I would, I, I didn't get a chance to see any of the game. So I was kind of looking at the results on my phone as I was traveling and going to my son's lacrosse games. And I was kind of checking out the scores. Uh, and I was like, all right, I think we have something here. We have something that serves as a platform for visibility for HBCUs. And I think it can only grow if you look at where television, where streaming, where these markets are going. So I think it's a great opportunity. There is one caveat I will uh, I noticed. Remember when FAMU and, and Bethune came into the SWAC? We were saying, hmm, what's going to happen with baseball? The scales of the scales of, of almightiness have tipped. Florida AM be purview. Southern, I think Southern had one win against Jackson State, but it was yeah. pretty <laughs> Florida AM. It was pretty much dominated seemingly by the East. You know, had a couple of wins, but if I if I look at it just high level, Florida AM, Jackson State, hmm, Alabama State, it seemed like that East seems to be be at least the early you know, uh, power in terms of baseball. We'll see as the season matures, but I, I kind of noticed that early in the season as well. That's kind of a side note or caveat to this. Yeah, I looked at that as well as you started saying that you really didn't see the scores. I saw the score with that Jackson State and Southern. Class every time they get on the field, how does that happen? Went down to the wire. A late home run uh, gave further room for Eric for Southern as they 
got it done eight and six. So that's just a clash of last year. If we get anything like we got in the championship game last year, it's going to be fascinating for me. Why? But I did notice that you said, um, you, other than Southern, they went two and one. The rest of the teams were FAMU. They went two and one. Alabama State went two and one. And then you also had um, Jackson State go two and one. Jackson State, yeah. But you had Sam Curvy go one and two. Pine yep. Bluff struggled throughout uh, that matchup, getting a little feedback. So we're going to probably end this early, see if we can go to a break, see if we can get the stretch straightened out just to see what's going on there. Uh, but with that being said, it was fascinating so many days watching the things going on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this break. We'll get in a little more news of the day. Championships will uh, announce this week. We'll see what we can do on that. And then we'll come back uh, and see about a little more of the basketball. It's hanging up. It's champions. Somebody's going to look for some seeding. Somebody's going to be out of the tournament. Somebody has already wrapped up a number one seed. Uh, it's gotten tighter and more interesting in the MEAC. So we'll get a chance to really look at that a little more. With that being said, I think we clean it up a little bit. So we got a little more time. Let's stick with – let me stick with you, Mike, and go to you in terms of what are some news that you want to break today? I'll talk about it. I shouldn't say not really break. Mike, you you on mute, Mike. Uh, sorry about that. I hate to be the one to break it to you. Hopefully you can hear me now. Sorry, somebody passed by. I'm in a hotel. But uh, Purview A&M, men's and women's, uh, track and indoor track and field. <laughs> Say he hate to bring it to you. <laughs> hate to bring it to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the women's indoor track and field won their second consecutive SWAC championship. So kudos to them. Kudos to Coach Angela Williams, who named uh, Coach of the Year. So through all 17 events, the women's team finished with 133 points overall in front of Al, Al Corn. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'm saying it right. I don't hear no, none of them uh, uh, Jackson State fans say it's Al Corn, whatever. Alabama, <laughs> FAMU, 72, Pound Bluff, yada, yada. Then that little school in, uh, in Mississippi finished with 44. So solid performance all around. You had, I mean – just the distance medley team of Diana Murphy, uh, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Dwyer, Jalen Elrod, Sidney Devereaux. They finished with a time of uh, 12 minutes, uh, 21 seconds. Uh, Kaiser Roberts uh, finished with the overall 60-meter dash, 7.47. I was that fast when I ran, too, a little bit faster. And then, you know, Jay's finished second overall in the 200-meter dash. Solid performance overall by the women's for the second year in a row. And not to be outdone, the men's team. Oh, yes, the, that, the Hill, the men's team captured uh, the 2022 Southwest SWAC championship crown. Coach Chris Clay also was named coach of the year. They finished with a total of 120 points ahead of Texas Southern. Ahead of that little school in, in Mississippi called Jackson with 70 points. Southern, Southern had 70 points. Bethune had 69. UAPB had 63. So it goes downhill. Solid performance again. Damon Cobbs Jr., just name a few. Second overall in the corner. Meter dash. Time of 47.55 seconds. Jamal Wolt, who we interviewed him on 1876 Sports and Culture, or spoke with him, uh, also finished. Uh, first in the 3,000-meter run, that's a long way. You normally got to take a car to go that far. And then the distance medley, uh, a team of Worthington Moore, Ethan Phillips, Simone Shai, uh, finished uh, with a conference record time of 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, 10 minutes, 11 seconds. Oh, my gosh, that is fast. Uh, so a very solid performance by the Purdue men's and women's indoor track and field team, not to not to be outdone with the sprinters. There's just too many accolades to go around. So kudos to both of those teams. I always mess with CB. We got to get it in where we can since uh, our football team lost in Jackson. So I got to get it in where I am. But it's all in good faith. <laughs> Great point there. I go to you, Charles, in terms of what news you want to share next. Uh, did get get the update where – uh, Michael Ford, shout out to him, said, remember NFL Network broadcast game, Pro Bowl uh, Stadium last year during week zero. Yes, that is the Black College Hall of Fame game. They've been airing that for the last couple of years. I'm interested to see with them doing this game, 
uh, will they get in the business of maybe airing a couple of more games uh, from the MEAC SWAC or even SIEC CIAA uh, in terms of that? So that'd be fascinating to keep your eyes in terms of these networks as they see more value, as Charles said, will they get in the air in those games? Uh, Charles, what other news that you want to share? Yeah, well, let's go to something breaking now that's hitting uh, our HBC websites with Jackson State. They released their um, uh, schedule today. Our team is excited. Our fans are excited. Our alumni are excited. And our students are excited. That's coming from Coach Prime himself. Although the season is more than six months away, the anticipation of what to come is tremendous. Bishop, you, you, think, you think everybody excited? I think everybody looks excited. Well, look, look, <laughs> Let's, uh, let's, let's take a look at the schedule. They started off with the Orange Blossom Classic, Fanny, September 4th. September 10th, one more time, let's do it in Memphis, Tennessee State. The G-Men, they come and pay a visit to Jackson, Bramble State Tigers, September 17th. September 24th, it is a revamped Valley coming to Jackson, Mississippi. That's right, Valley coming into Jackson. <laughs> Alabama State, uh, that game uh, is October 8th. Bethune Cookman on the road. Daytona Beach, October 15th. Homecoming. Get those uh, homecoming plans together now. Campbell Camels be coming to Jackson, Mississippi, followed by the hated rival, the Southern Jaguars, October 29th. <laughs> November 5th, Jackson State pays a visit to Houston to take on the Texas Southern Tigers and BBBA. November 12th, it is a visit to Mobile, Alabama to take on the Alabama a Bulldogs. And they close out the regular season uh, going down to Lorman, Mississippi to take on the Alcorn State Braves. So the uh, Swag Championship will be December 3rd, and the Celebration Bowl <laughs> is December 17th. So let's get it all in. <laughs> hey, wait, wait a minute. Did you, say, did, you say, did you say they're going to Mobile? They're going to Mobile, yes. So they're playing Alabama AM at Mobile? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With that being said, we're going to go to this quick break. Before I do that, um, Big South OVC announced football partnership. Uh, you may remember this is similar to a partnership that was done between the A-Sun and the WAC as neither team had enough of the minimum number of teams, which is six from the NCAA, to have an automatic qualifier for postseason play. Obviously, football, that's the FCS championship. I want to bring this up because obviously Tennessee State currently is in the OVC. We heard about Coach Eddie George in terms of his thought process of the OVC being a dying conference. I wonder if this is enough to him to rethink that, or is he still looking for other opportunities? We'll park that and let the folks that are discussing uh, in the chat, let them give me some thoughts in terms, and we might bring that back on the second part. But let's go to a break, and we'll be right back after the end of the first quarter. We'll get into the second quarter. Stickers will be right back after this quick break. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to tap, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, so listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, because he's going to teach a lesson. 
This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. As we get into it, let's get into some women's basketball. We'll start with the Big South. What's going on here? Interesting when we talk about that, when you look at North Carolina A&T and uh, Hampton, they've struggled, to be frankly, with in terms of the conference. It looked like A&T was playing a little back more basketball in terms of that. They are sitting at 10-6, so they do have a winning record. In terms of the conference play, um, they are 13 and 13 overall, hitting the 500 mark. Uh, but they are behind in terms of three games uh, behind first place with actually five teams in front of them. But they're looking at seeding to see if they can make a run in the tournament as they're closing up on the season in as well. So it'll be fascinating. Right behind them, although it's a losing record, is Hampton Lady Pirates six, six and eight. They are six games back based on that 10 and 14. So um, the Hampton Pirate, Lady Pirates are playing right now. They're playing against Radford early in the first quarter, tied up 11-11. And so it'll be fascinating to see, can they make a late season run, at least improve their seating in the tournament and, and just go off. As you know, as you get in the tournament, anything can happen. We talk about that magic. So it'll be fascinating to kind of keep up with that to some degree. Before I get each of you all to chime in, let's jump over and give you an update on OVC. Tennessee State Lady um, Tigers really started off in terms of great fashion, starting off really hot, but they have struggled as of late, and it's just not working out for them as they continue to struggle as they have lost six straight games. They sit at 6-10 and ten, uh, in the eighth seed. They're pretty safe there because they have a four-game lead over uh, Southeast Missouri State, Red Hawks, and Morehead State Eagles in terms of at least getting in that eighth spot in the seed. But that means you're going to take on uh, somebody like Belmont Bruins at a 14-2 overall, I mean, in the conference, but 18-7 overall. So daunting task, uh, obviously, as you try to prepare for the tournament. Let me stick with you, Mike, in terms of North Carolina A&T, Hampton, or Tennessee State, either one of those that you want to look at and talk about uh, what we can expect as we get ready for the Big South tournament, which will be actually the last tournament uh, for A&T, as well as Hampton, as they'll be heading for the Colonial Athletic Association. Uh, but Tennessee State at this point looks like they'll be still in the OVC. So we'll see what that means. What are your thoughts in terms of women's basketball? So, <clears throat> so if you look at, you know, if you look at the Big South, uh, you, you got to say that North Carolina A&T has a, has a, a, a puncher's chance you know, they have a winning record in the conference. I believe they're 10 and six, but here's the other thing. I mean, they, if you look at, you know, the overall statistics, uh, they're kind of up They're third in the conference in scoring. Uh, they are seventh uh, in scoring defense. So they're allowing a lot of points to be scored, but they're number, they're number one or two in rebounding um, and number three in the conference in free throws, all critical data points to determine you know, how good a team can be on a given night. It's all statistical. It's all data points. But you got to say, if you look at them, they actually have a shot at least making the tournament. Now, the other the other piece is is Hampton. You've you, you got to say they don't they don't seemingly have as good a chance. And then if you go to the OVC, I go to the OVC. I don't know. Uh, Tennessee State, they've lost their last five or six games. You really don't. You really don't know if they have any kind of chance as they go into the tournament. So they just hadn't performed really well, unfortunately. Great point. Before I ask you that, Charles, let me give a shout out. Michael Ford jumps back in here. NFL Network broadcast HBCU game could be good publicity, no doubt. Uh, National Football League, and he added in the sponsorship money could be good. Yes, when you talk about NFL, that's not an issue. They do have access to money. Good evening. Uh, you got Arby Parker in here, Chad Cooper. Let me go back. We got Willie Alex Hine, Carl's Edmund, Jeff Roberts. OBC Big South is a short-term fix. Travel shouldn't be an issue since it's just football. I agree with that. Um, it is certainly a short-term fix, probably a one-year, just like you had with the Atlantic Sun and WAC. Uh, you got to believe they both uh, schools. I think Bryant is already looking at joining the Big South, which would have saved them this year. Uh, even being at six for the automatic. So this is probably more in regards to OVC at five. You got to believe they're going to be bringing in at least a Division two school, um, get to six, which means they'll create their automatic bid. So I don't think it's a, um, a long-term 
fix at all. I think this is just what they have started to do. As I said, this is just a mirror copy of what happened with the A-Sun and the WAC, so they can make sure that a representative of the conference will get a AQ. But they're just being fair for the institutions to make sure they do the best of what they can do. Lana Shaw thought JSU would try to schedule a non-conference top five FBS school like Sam Houston State. I think that is all based from the standpoint that um, Sam Houston State's schedule is already fixed. So you can't just jump on somebody's schedule. Campbell, as they said, has a top-ranked uh, FCS class. So if that's what you were wanting to see in terms of a Jackson State play at FCS program, historically white college university, they did that. So it's interesting to me that people always find something that they don't see right with the schedule. Uh, whatever, <laughs> but that's another discussion. I don't that's think people are serious about that. They do that jokingly, but I'll I'll play along with you if you want to. Ricky Burton, good evening. Um, shout out to Thomas Einstein, Maddox, Marquez, Hardis, Clarence W. Bivens, Chuck Hunt in the building. Uh, SBBTSU is watching. Oh, somebody in with a code name. All right, Kay Johnson, uh, trying to get a little tidbits. We'll give you. We'll give you some love. You somebody with a CIA name. Next to heel. Uh, who else we got in? Edward Dwight Moore says, hated rivals. I thought we had a love affair. <laughs> I love it. Good point. George Hardaberry, Kate Johnson, uh, Roderick, Byron Holmes, Dr. Holmes. Thanks for lunch today, Dr. Holmes. Uh, Fred Wittick. Who else we got in here? Doc, is Professor Washington telling the truth or is it that one of his old fish tales? That's one of his old fish tales. Don't, yeah, you got to watch Mike. Mike comes out of the water with all kinds of tales. But Charles, as we get back into it, any thoughts in terms of OVC Big South, anything that stands out? Yeah, I, I was, you know, I kind of kept an eye on Tennessee State for a little while because they had won uh, five in a row. And you don't know uh, when they go on a skid like they have, uh, you don't know if there's injuries of, of some sort. But, uh, you know, I think kind of the future is, is looking bright for Tennessee State because they're led actually by a freshman from Houston, yeah, Jim Adams. Yeah, so uh, she's averaging 13.1 points per game. So they, they should be okay holding on to that AC. We'll uh, see what sort of momentum they can build over February. But, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, very puzzling that they've gone on this little six-game stretch. And so I'm curious as to if there might have been some injuries along the way there. Yeah, good point. Let's go to the MEAC where it's really getting interesting. You're talking about of all the conference uh, at the top uh, where there's going to be a race to the finish line. It's on the women's side in the MEAC. Uh, Howard is at the top, but they're at nine and two. That's 15 and eight overall, but they have three teams behind them, only one game back. That's Cobbin State, Morgan State, Norfolk State, all at eight and three. Uh, jockeying to see if they can make that late move. So it's going to be fascinating to look at this race down the stretch. Who do you say? What do you say about this, Professor Bishop? Any team that you want to hedge your bet and say that you're put, putting a finger on? Oh, this is tough because, uh, like you mentioned, there are three teams, all 83, just right behind Howard. But I kind of want to keep my eye out on Morgan State. Uh, I think they're they're one of the tougher teams in the lot there, um, and you know they can get hot. You know they they're fourteen to seven overall, but when you just when you kind of take a look at them, they are a very interesting team to kind of sit up and watch. And you know I'm I'm, I'm just really interested to see what happens going forward with them. Young um, uh, young lady by the name of Taylor Addison, one of their uh, good scores, uh, and, and uh, Brisker averaging 10 points a game and Addison uh, five rebounds a game. So Morgan State's a team that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on uh, as we go forward in March. Yeah, when you get to you, Mike, no big matchup if everybody can stay the course, but we've seen these upsets of late, so let's be careful about jumping too far ahead. You have North Carolina Central at Howard, Morgan State at Delaware State, uh, Cobbin State at Maryland, Eastern Shore, South Carolina State at Norfolk State. Uh, Monday, obviously, you have the flip with Maryland, Eastern Shore, and Morgan, North Carolina Central, Norfolk State, South Carolina State at Howard, Delaware State at Coppin. So you don't have any of those big matchups that could throw you off. Uh, don't have any top 10 matchups, and we'll get to that in terms of the third quarter to give you a little bit about that, who's in the top 10. What are your thoughts in terms of what's going on on the MEAC? In the MEAC. Uh, I got to go Howard, 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 Howard. Um, be careful of the hot hand at the end of the season. You, uh, you look at Howard's wins, their most recent wins, and I'm talking recent, 
wins over Norfolk State, Delaware State, Morgan State, Coppin State. And these were not like okie doke wins. Coppin State was a three point win, but Morgan State, that was that was about 17, 18 points, give or take. That's a convincing win. So, and it's toward the end of the season. So be careful of the Ides of March. Et tu brute, little, little Shakespearean. Where else? Little Shakespeare, yeah. Where else would you get Shakespeare done on Dr. Gaville's show? Be careful. <laughs> All right, watch that hand at the end of the Only season. Only from Mike gotta, Washington. <laughs> I got to go with the Howard. Charles would know what you're talking about, too. I saw that. <laughs> so I got to go with Howard just based on how they're playing, at least as we approach the tournament, and they're head-to-head against some of the other teams we talked about. They do have the championship medal. They won it last year, regular yeah. season, and in the tournament. So that's a good point. Let's move over to the SWAT quickly before we get into our second half of the show. Jackson State Lady Tigers, not to be disrespectful, because it's going to be interesting how far they can take out this win streak. Um, that's probably the news of the day, not in terms of them continue to win there at 14 and 0, 16 and 6. Uh, number one in the ranking last week. Don't see any reason why that will change. But uh, especially with Norfolk State, the team that was right under them losing uh, what some people thought was an upset. But we look a little closer. You have a team like Texas Southern Tigers. There you go. Four straight wins. Yep. Alabama AM, four straight wins. Alabama State uh, with the second best record at this time with five straight wins. Fascinating to see that. Prairie View has won um, two and two in the last couple of weeks, winning their last game. So they're actually sitting at nine and six. Fascinating to see, sticking with you, Charles, in terms of those next seeded teams, which team are you keeping your eyes on between Alabama State, Alabama AM, and Texas Southern in regards to who can get into that second and third seat and least uh, get a good seating as they try to see if they can stay away from Jackson State until the championship game. Texas Southern University is a scary basketball team. They have scores. They put up points. Adriana Aben, uh, she's averaging 17, almost 18 points a game. Uh, Tyre Bridges, uh, she's a double-digit scorer as well. Texas Southern can put the ball in the hoop. They can be a scary team if they start knocking down some threes. Uh, I think, like we've said, week in, week out, uh, where Jackson State really kind of beats you up is, is rebounding the ball and, 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 and getting a, a lot of offensive rebounds, second-chance opportunities. But uh, I, this is going to be a very stern test for Jackson State this weekend, not only playing Texas Southern, but anytime. You go down to Prairie View and go down to the Baby Dome. It's just a different environment. Probably one of the most hostile environments, I think, in HBCU basketball. So uh, it's going to be a, a really stern test for the Texas Two-Step this weekend. I like that. Great point. Uh, in terms of what you're thinking, Mike, what's fascinating about Texas Southern University, they're basically down to seven players, healthy players. So they're really getting it done with a limited bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating to see what's going on. But which direction are you going? In terms of that two and three seed, who's going to sneak in that two and three seed? In this case, to stay away from Jackson State to see in terms of getting their way possibly to a championship game and take their chances there. Who do you see in two and three seed? It's hit or miss between uh, Pine Bluff and Texas Southern. Mm-hmm. To Southern, second in the swag and scoring. The, uh, I think they're somewhere. Do you see Pine Bluff finding a way to get to a three seed? I, I think Pine. I think wow. I. Interesting. Yes. I okay. Yes. I. I think Pine Bluff has. But I will say, go with the hot hand again. Ides of March. Uh, go with the. Uh, yeah. Go, go with the hot hand. Texas Southern. They're doing it. The only thing that scares me about Texas Southern is they're last in the conference in defense. They're allowing 76, 77 points again. Um, of to their opponents, their average score. They're, they're, even though they're you know, up there in scoring offense, is somewhere along 76, 77. Now, a lot of that statistically is what happened in the first part of the season. So I'm wondering if kind of what CB said earlier with the, uh, I think it was either Tennessee State, is have they do they have injuries? Are there other yeah. they, that come to play? I can ask, but, I can ask that about Texas Southern. <clears throat> I, I'm looking in Tennessee State, hadn't really heard about the injuries there. But Texas Southern, I know they've had multiple injuries, in fact, they just Nine had minutes. another player. Yeah, Nia, she was injured earlier, but they just yeah. had another injury on the road this week in terms of uh, another knee giving out. So um, their even attrition rate is, is is off the chart right now. 
Yeah. So I yeah. So I see them. Uh, Pine Bluff, I say, will sneak in there, top eight. Mm-hmm. But I think the scariest team to me, I, I agree, is Texas Southern, just because they're the hot hand going in toward the end of the season. They're doing something well. They're on a four-game winning streak. So is Alabama A&M. <clears throat> yeah, I think being a hot streak is one thing, and I think we'll get a little more of that on the men's side with who's hot who's not, because I think you may have the top six teams that can get it done. On the women's side, I think it's more important to look who gets that second and third seed to stay right. away from Jackson State and take your chances in the championship game. With that, that'll do it for the first uh, half hour of the show. Let's take our break, and we'll be right back in the third quarter. And we'll get in the second half. We're going to debut the poll again, week number eight. See what you think. Some changes on the men's side, not really on the women's side. Stick with us. We'll give you some updates and <laughs> let you know what these guys think about the poll rankings. With that, stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Oh. That spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they wanna love that and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he's gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab. Before we go to the men and give you a breakdown of what we think there, let's get into the poll ranking. We're gonna start with women, though, because series not dead. Top five programs, somebody dropped out. Got some receiving some votes. So let's look at that a little bit. Uh, in terms of receiving votes, Norfolk State Spartans sit at 12 and 10, 8 and 3, 35 points. They were in the top five, so they did drop out this week after a tough upset loss. You're talking about how tough it is to be in the top five. They fall all the way out the top five. I want to see what y'all think about that. Texas Southern Tigers sit at 10 and 12, just outside of the top five. We said they're one of the hottest teams going. Uh, but they're at 10 and 5 in the conference race. You got Alabama and them Bulldogs. We talked about them as well at 12 and 13, 10 and 5. Southern Jaguars have really started off the first part of the season hot, but they've struggled up late. So it'll be interesting to see what they continue to do the rest of the season. They're at 11 and 14, 9 and 5. The team that dropped out, as I said, is Norfolk State Spartans, which means top five. Alabama State Hornets, 12 and 12, 11 and 4. They were not ranked, so they jumped in the top five at number five. At number four, Morgan State Bears out of the MIAC, 14 and 7, 8 and 3, 69 points. They were previously ranked five, so they moved up a spot this week in week number eight. At number three, Coppin State Eagles, 14 and 10, 8 and 3, 82 points. They also move up a spot as they uh, are in at number three. We continue to MIAC parade. At number two, it's Howard Bice, 15 and 8, 9 and 2, 85 points. They move up a spot as the, those last three teams move up a spot. But number one spot is hold down by Jackson State. It's 16-6, and 14-0, all 10 first-place votes, as they just continue to get it done. This is their eighth consecutive week at number one in terms of this year's ranking. Goes back to what they did last year sometime. They are simply a dominant program at this time. Jackson State Tigers maintain their number one ranking for the eighth consecutive week. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts let me start with you, Professor Bishop. What do you say? Um, what do you say? Like I mentioned earlier, they're a team that I'm just kind of keeping an eye on. 
uh, with regards to what they're doing in the MEAC. But uh, uh, this Jackson State uh, train uh, is just keeps rolling week in, week out. And one of the very interesting things we talked to Coach Tamika Reed in regards to uh, how she's looking at this part of the schedule, and it's keeping this team focused. Uh, she made mention that, like, in the early part of the schedule, they're blowing teams out by, you know, 30, 40 points, and that margin of error has come in uh, with this second half of the season. So it's keeping this team focused in terms of what they need to do going forward because nobody's going to take a night off against Jackson State. So you have to pay a particular attention, especially this upcoming weekend. This Texas two-step will be a very, very important test, litmus test, I think, for the Jackson State women's basketball team. Yeah, tough home uh, environments for Texas Southern and Jackson State. Nice little road trip. But there's teams that actually play good basketball more than anything. So I am fascinated to see what this looks like. I don't think there will be any upset, but I do think this is a good one to keep your eyes on just to see what may go down the road. And we're talking about two and three seeds. Mike Washington, let me go to you. What are your thoughts on the women's top five teams in week number eight? No, really, I think you can make an argument that Alabama State should be number two or three. Um, but I, I, you can't get past, you know, the performance of uh, Morgan State, Coppin State. Um, you know, it, so it's, it's kind of it's Jackson State and everybody else. So Morgan State, I, I would say Coppin State, number three, Alabama State, number two, Morgan State actually number three. And so um, – I'm sorry, keep Howard number two, but I think Morgan State shifts down. I think Coppin State uh, head-to-head has a little bit of, of advantage. But uh, either way, there's nothing wrong with your top five. I think it's good to go. Um, I think it's Jackson, Jackson State and everybody else. Well, let me stick with you and see what you think on, my, on the men's side, see if you're still so kind to me as you welcome back <laughs> to the show. That's how you make sure you keep your mic on. I like that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Trying to top get some points. Trying to get some points up in there. Yeah, all teams stay in the top five. You do have some major rearrangements of those top five, so we'll see what you think there. No team dropped out, but you have some teams making some movement uh, in terms of receiving votes. FAMU, Florida A&M, the Rattlers, 11-15, uh, Tough loss to Alabama A&M. Uh, after they got by Alabama State. Grand State Tigers, 11-15, 9-5. And that was at home now. Yeah. Alabama Bison, 14-11, 7-4. Yeah. South Carolina State Bulldogs 15 and 12, 7 and 4. We've seen that a little bit up and down the SWAC season with some teams that are at the top of the conference losing um, at on the road, but not necessarily at home. So that's something to keep your eyes on. Let's get into the top five. North Carolina Central Eagles had a tough loss. They could have been in a tie with the head to head tie break early in the season. They're sitting at 14 and 12, 73, 51 points at number three. So they dropped three spots. Greens is number four, Texas Southern Tigers, 13-11, 11-4. One first-place vote, 70 points. They had a last-second shot after being up 20. That's a Texas Southern Tigers seem like they get bored sometimes. be interesting to see what that looks like as they continue to move. At number three, you have the Southern Jaguars, 15-11, 10-4. One first-place vote. Uh, this is after they ran uh, across of it, but they've had a little tough go as of late. They did get the win over Texas Southern last Monday, what you got to put in there in terms of a perennial uh, game against the two teams that were tied for first place. This is after they took a tough loss to Prairie. Then they got it done against the rival at home in front of 7,000. They took the L as well. Interesting to see what this team looks like. So they drop a spot, uh, but are able to stay in the top five. At number two, you have Alcorn State Braves, 11 and 15, 10 and 4. One first place vote, 82 points. Move up four spots if you would. In terms of what they look like, three spot, I should say, actually, from number five, finally getting some love, the Braves. They continue to find a way to get it done. Big victory, sitting at 10-4, and four, uh, top of the race, just a half a game behind Texas Southern, if you would, in terms of them playing one more game, uh, sitting at 10-5 and five versus 11-4, and four, uh, what you see over there. Let me stick with you, Mike. What are your thoughts in terms of the men's top five with Norfolk State Spartans? Losing, but they find a way to stay number one, 18 and six, nine and two, seven first place votes, 97 points. But that's the difference. They lost some first place votes, actually lost uh, two of them. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like as we continue down the season. Mike, what are your thoughts? 
uh, <clears throat> I'm okay with Norfolk State staying number one. Um, the Alcorn State has has some early losses to Prairie View. Um, I don't see why uh, how Alcorn is is ahead of Southern. Um, so they I, do have the head to head victory, Mike. Only play once now. I do give you that. But they had the head to head. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Um, but if you look at re- overall record and you look at their losses, they have losses to Gramlin. They have losses to Bethune. And these are teams that Southern uh, – didn't Southern beat Gramlin? I'm sorry. No, Gramlin has beat Southern twice. They got both of them. It's yeah, odd so because you- I know what you're thinking about. Southern has beaten Texas Southern twice. Okay, Gramlin that's what I'm thinking. Southern twice. But Texas Southern has beaten Gramlin twice. So that right. trio is at the top of the conference. Yeah. Has swept each other, which we're waiting to see what Alcorn does, which is interesting. And then the other thing that's going to be intriguing about the end of the season is some teams are not playing around Robin. How will that work out between who gets, you know, maybe some fortunate framing of the schedule that they don't necessarily play some of those top teams twice home and away? FAMU is one of those teams I can give. In terms of that, that's just something the oddity of what you yeah. have to get used to unless they change the schedule. But if them wanting to just play 18 games, you're going to have that uh, schedule luck for some people or in <laughs> uh, unfortunate framing. Uh, but that's something that you need to keep in, uh, in the mindset. And that's why I'm intrigued about the poll. But continue, Mike. Yeah. Now, it'll be interesting to see how they do on this Texas run. Um, Alcorn, that is, because they, they have an early season loss to Prairie View. Um, so it, I and I'll be really interested to see how they do at Texas Southern. So I, I but but I think your your poll is 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 on because there's so much parity in this league, at, at least the men's side. I mean, right. anybody can beat anybody on a given night. Preview's the hot hand, so it'll be yeah. <laughs> you got you you can't rule them out in terms of at least making making the tournament seating. But right now they're the hot hand. Yeah, Charles, what are your thoughts? Uh, certainly when you talk about hot hands in men's basketball, that's uh, four straight games for Prairie View, including at the time a win over top seed of Southern and Gramlin that were at the top of the conference. And at the end of the year, they got that matchup against Texas Southern. It's looming. It's looming. Yep. It'll be fascinating, but bring it back. We'll talk a little bit more about these matchups as we close out. But what are your thoughts on the poll before we take this last break? Well, let me start off and just say Prairie View is going to be a scary team coming down the stretch, and they're already starting to catch that second win. So yeah. keep an eye out for Prairie View. But you talk about styles make fights. Uh, uh, Gramlin has swept Southern. Uh, Texas Southern has swept Gramlin, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then you have Alcorn. This is going to be a big weekend, I think, for Alcorn. They beat Texas Southern at home. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Braves can do uh, on their Texas two-step. Uh, Jack Staten and Alcorn are doing the Texas two-step this weekend. But uh, I'm and very- with that, Charles, before you get too much deeper, you got Bussy that lost to Prairie View at the end of the game, but that's a assistant head coach matchup coming there back you with go. Bussy and Coach Smith. Man, it's just crazy this weekend. You, you got right. a, you got a student teacher thing going there, so that that's going to be a very fascinating weekend, I think, coming up. But uh, it's this is fascinating going into uh, uh, going into March because I can't, I still can't get a fix on who is you know just heads uh, above the, the the pack, if you will, and the sweat because on any given night somebody can get swept. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting, really fascinating to watch. And, and so in terms of North. I didn't see Norfolk State getting that uh, L on this this past uh, Monday, if I'm not mistaken. I, I I was like that that caught me off guard because I thought they had been playing probably the most consistent basketball of anybody out there. Right, and you talk about when it's getting interesting. CIAA is actually in the tournament. We'll get a little more on that on Thursday as you get deeper into what's going on, and we'll have a great interview uh, squared up. We'll talk to a commissioner. We'll leave that footnote in terms of which commissioner uh, for a tease for you to come back Thursday with that. Let's get into our last break. We'll get into the fourth quarter, and we'll talk about the men matchups, Big South OVC, MEAC, and SWAC. Stick with us. We'll be back to close out the show in terms of those matchups uh, for you to watch this weekend. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience 
and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love that, and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Last segment, fourth quarter. Let's go hard and strong. Views out here wanting to hear about these matchups. Let's start it off with the Big South in terms of North Carolina A&T. Man, I watched the game they had on Saturday, and I knew it was going to be trouble at the end of the game. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't say it necessarily got taken from them, but it sure didn't look good uh, in terms of that. I knew it was going to be a problem when Campbell uh, was trying to get off a shot. They got it off, missed everything in terms of uh, winning the game on the shot, rebound, they get the rebound. They, all of a sudden you hear this whistle. The lights go off, ball's in the hand. Uh, the ball slips out of the hand, goes in the net. You're looking naked eye and you're like, clearly the basket doesn't count. The light was on. But I heard that little phantom whistle, light whistle back there, and I said, this is not going to be good for anybody <laughs> in terms of how they call it. He went to the monitor, took forever, took a break, huddled back up, as you see the referees doing. you like, this is not good. They don't know what's going on, what they're going to call. They go back to the monitor, they come back, they come out and said, hey, the basket is good. There's one-tenth of a second on the clock. Uh, and so you're like, hold on, how did the basket good, the ball in the hand? I was like, you could have made it easy on yourself. One, swallow the whistle at the end of the game, let it go. You don't call them. But if you do, you come back and say, hey, the basket was no good, but the foul was, on, was, was called before the clock went out. And then you see if they make it on the free throw line, if they did, you get out of there. But it was, it was like, wow, this is not going to be interesting. Anyway, that means AT took the loss. Um, Hampton held it against Longwood, who's top of the conference, 76-72, but they still struggle overall. Just can't get it done in terms of getting those wins. Hampton sits at the bottom of the conference at four and ten on the men's side. North Carolina AT is seven games back, uh, but they, they are six and eight, eleven and seventeen overall. They did have the huge upset, if you would, against Longwood, 70-62 uh, to 62 last Saturday. So that's fascinating to see what that may mean going to the tournament. And they're looking for that seeding. Uh, Mike, let me go to you. But before that, let me go back and go ahead and go into OVC. I kind of stick over Tennessee State because they've just been struggling so much. But let me get in there so you can go in whatever direction. Let me not do that to you. In terms of Tennessee State and what they're doing in their standings, uh, they're 79 and nine games back, two games back at 500. But they are in the fifth seed. You got Murray State that is holding down 16 0, 19 uh, ranked in the top 25. So 26 and 2, Murray Racers uh, got to give them some love in terms of what they got to do. If you can get in that tournament and you face Murray State in terms of upset, you've done something in terms of defeating the top 25. So you can go any direction. AT in terms of seeding, Hampton struggling. 
Uh, Tennessee State, can they find a way to get out of the OVC and sneak the bid? Uh, what are your thoughts, Mike, in terms of what's going on on the men's side in OVC or the big South? No, I, let me start. Let me start with the OVC. So, I mean, if, <laughs> you know, I like I like Tennessee State's chances. You know, I think you said it earlier. They're seven and nine, so they do have a puncher's chance. But man, you know, if you look at some of the games they've lost, you know, they, I think they are. If you look at their last five games, they're like up and down. You know, they have a couple of wins against you know Eastern Illinois. Uh, you they have won two straight, but yeah, they, they won, are they up won, and down for the most part. Other yeah, they won last little stride, but we'll they won they two straight, and I, I think the consistency is is where I have the most concern for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So th- that you know that's that's Tennessee State, and then if you look at you know you would say that that A and T has a chance to make it, uh, but they lost to Hampton. Hampton's at the bottom of the cellar. So. That was a sad scratcher. Yeah. <laughs> that was a head scratcher to me. Mm-hmm. You know, what, yeah. he, you know, here is here is A and T. You know, they're scoring you know seventy points a game. They're in the middle of the conference. Their scoring margin is pretty comparable to the top folks in the margin. And Hampton's at the bottom of the cellar. Yet you lose a game convincingly to Hampton. So I'm scratching my head on that one. Yeah, fascinating in so many different ways. Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of OVC, uh, Big South? Anything there, anybody's going to have a bunch of chance of getting in the tournament and, and running the tables and find a way to get that bid into the NCAA tournament? It's going to be tough. I, I think uh, for, for Tennessee State, definitely in OBC. Uh, uh, and then when I take a look at A&T, uh, my question is, you know, how the consistency part, and Mike talked about it, can, can Marcus Watson stay consistent going forward uh, as we get toward, you know, the uh, the, uh, the the conference tournament, uh, could Cameron Langley, you know, elevate his game? Uh, we've seen uh, both of these guys, you know, perform outstanding for for A&T, but it's, it's the consistency part that you really kind of keep an eye on with both uh, in uh, North Carolina A&T and Tennessee State. Just uh, tough basketball conferences for them to really make some headway. Absolutely. We get into the MEAC on the men's side, upset Monday. You talk about this, that Monday, especially on the road, but Charles, it was really just one of the teams that were on the road that got it done. That was Norfolk State and Morgan State, 85 to 74. The other ones were upsets uh, by teams that were previously ranked higher than that was Coppin State over Howard, 86 to 82. The one that shocked a lot of people really was that Maryland Eastern Shore over North Carolina Central, 79 to 56. Credit quietly, though, was South Carolina State at 79 and 74, defeating Delaware State, 79 to 74, I should say. But in the standings, Norfolk State at 9-2, North Carolina Central 73, South Carolina State has jumped all the way up uh, to 7-4, winning two straight games. Howard, a tie with them at 7-4, two games black, back of Norfolk State. Going to be entering going down the stretch. Norfolk State had this great regular season record preseason, but they're struggling a bit of late. It'll be fascinating to see what's going on. Let me stick with you, Charles. What are your thoughts in terms of the uh, if you can get Norfolk State on the road, I, I think that's that's the that can, what you kind of keep an eye on with regards to them. Uh, they hold serve at home, but uh, they're just one game above uh, 500 on the road. So that's uh, just something to keep an eye on as we get through February, get into the tournament. But uh, to me, just like the swag, there is there is not a lot of room for 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 error. Uh, on, on uh, when you take a look at North Carolina Central, South Carolina State, uh, everybody's like registering some some head scratching upsets in there. So uh, I just kind of keep an eye on everything going through February. This is going to be uh, these next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting weeks, especially when we flip around and look at the swag with Alcorn State and Jackson State doing the Texas two step this weekend. I think a lot of eyes are going to be over here in the Houston area this weekend. Yeah, in terms of that schedule. Uh, for me at Coppin State and Maryland Eastern Shore, Morgan State and Delaware State. But check this out. North Carolina Central sitting at 14 and 12. Howard at 14 and 11. Obviously, uh, North Carolina Central in the top five. Howard just receiving votes outside. That's going to be a fascinating matchup. Then you got South Carolina State uh, at Norfolk State. 15 and 12 for South Carolina State overall and 18 and 6 for Norfolk State. Nice records going in that game. Obviously, Norfolk State number one team at home against the red-hot South Carolina State. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of the MEAC on the men? You got some good Saturday matchups. 
Yeah, <clears throat> it's pretty good. I, I, I still think uh, Norfolk State is is still your alpha dog in that conference. They yes, they had a loss on the road. Uh, I I tend to believe, looking kind of at the game, that that was kind of just a letdown loss, and not that they can't play on the law on the road. Um, so, so, but I do like South Carolina State. They 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 are prone to snipe somebody to sneak up on somebody. So you look at the four teams in there. You could, I mean, you can't call it. You got North Carolina Central. Howard scares you. North Carolina Central scares and South Carolina State scares you. So, but I still think at the end of the day, Norfolk State is still that alpha dog. Sticking with you, we're gonna go in the main, uh, in the swag. But Monday is just as good. Check this out. After you get it done on Saturday. Monday, you have North Carolina Central at Norfolk State, obviously the number one team, 14 to 12, 18 to 6. So you got a top five matchup going on on Monday, but not to be outdone, you have South Carolina State at Howard, uh, 15 and 12, 14 and mm. 11. Both of those teams just outside, but jockeying for their first place, man. Saturday and Monday, maybe a separation, or will it just continue to be uh, stuck there? But let's go into the SWAC. Uh, before we close things out in terms of these matchups this weekend. You alluded to a little bit in terms of the Texas two-step, two of the hottest teams in the conference, placing solid teams in terms of what's going on. So that's going to be fascinating. But before we get in that, you have Florida A&M at Grambling. Uh, Grambling's feeling good about themselves. Fam, you not so much. They go on the road. They have to find a way to get these games as they go the Louisiana road trip and Grambling and Southern in terms of the Saturday and Monday. You have the rivalry matchup with Alabama State traveling to Alabama A&M. Fascinating. A&M is feeling good about getting that road win against FAMU. Alabama State also got a good win against Bethune-Cookman. Fascinating. Bethune-Cookman at Southern. Yeah, Mississippi Valley at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Alcorn at Prairie View. Jackson at Texas Southern. Obviously, it flips on Monday. Just to be said, you have Jackson at Prairie View, Bethune-Cookman at Gramlin, Alcorn at Texas Southern. FAMU at Southern. Take it off the gridiron and go on to basketball. Remember, uh, Southern got it done against FAMU when they went out there last time to Tallahassee. Can FAMU, the Rattlers, get a little payback? They certainly need it if they want to stay in the hunt for the race. But let me stick with you, Charles, in terms of your thoughts going on. What do you see in terms of the men uh, in terms of these races going on uh, going on uh, right here with three of the teams in the top five, Alcorn, Southern, and Texas Southern? I think this is a huge weekend for Alcorn. Uh, they knocked off Texas Southern at home, and they had a one-point loss to Prairie View. Uh, when you take a look at Alcorn starting Saturday night off uh, in the Baby Dome, that's going to be a huge, huge matchup for Alcorn. Uh, student-teacher matchup, uh, Bussy versus Smith. I'm looking forward to uh, that, that, that matchup on Saturday night. But conversely, <laughs> Jackson State knocked off uh, Texas Southern and Prairie View at home earlier. So this is a, a, a interesting weekend for them as well. And, you know, every time you count right Jackson State off, they do something just odd and just start winning games. And they found all of a sudden Ken Evans who's scoring out of nowhere. So if they can get some production from somewhere else, they become an interesting team to kind of keep an eye on. But I think this is a huge weekend for all. I like the points you make. Fascinating in mm-hmm. so many different ways. Obviously, the Saturday matchups are what you're talking about. Charles, Mike, that Monday matchup I got to throw out at you is a top five matchup, which is two versus four, Alcorn at Texas Southern, top of the division. Outside of that, what games has your interest this week? What are your thoughts, Mike? Oh, in the Baby Dome. In the Baby Dome. Jeremiah Gambrell. um, uh, And maybe this is not what you're asking for, but I I think that's big for Alcorn to do that, that Texas tour. And I say Prairie View is a hot team, not because I'm a Prairie View fan, but because they're a hot team. Jeremiah Graham Bell's been playing. Jawan Daniels has been playing. So they've got to go to the Baby Dome and play a red-hot team. That's a game I'm looking forward to seeing. So, No, we know you are a fan, but to your point, Prairie View has won four straight games. So you can say this legitimately in terms of a team that's playing good basketball. Quietly, though, Alabama A&M has won four straight games. Uh, coming out of nowhere at eight and seven. Again, I told you they got that big win against FAMU. They had Alabama State. They have a chance to get a little bit of payback to be fascinating as they're playing some basketball because a lot of people wanted to write the Bulldogs off, but they're playing well now. That'll do it for us.
Both of your great comments, great breakdown. Glad to see you like poll. So we'll continue to bring you back and make sure you have a mic as you uh, celebrated what I do on the poll rankings. With that, kudos to all the lab listeners out there. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday. Remember, on Thursday, we will have an interview for you. So stick with us. Make sure you get a chance to see what your thoughts on the interview will go to the commissioner level. We look forward to you continuing to check us out. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside HBC Sports Lab 1. That's on Facebook. Inside HBC Sports Lab on YouTube. What you got, Mike? Who's t- who got you laughing like that? <laughs> you laughing at the same thing I'm laughing at, right, Charles? I am. for the lab rats on it. They, they, the they lab rats, they already on it. Of course, they this, this. Dream Big, continue to move forward. We'll talk with you soon. Uh, Charles. Of course. Mike. Lecture. <laughs> the lab listeners out there, tell us what it is. Dismiss. <laughs> <laughs>